Let me welcome you back to your seats. Again, it's good to see you today. If you're catching us for Father's Day because you're visiting or you're in town for something like that or visiting family, dropping by today, thank you for being here. You're catching us right in the middle of a series that we're calling Get Outside. And then we pause on purpose and then we say, of yourself, get outside of yourself. And this is an eight-part series where we are leveraging the good weather and leveraging the ability to move about and be about, to be about God's business. And that is being missional, which we did for four weeks. And it's also about about giving. So I appreciate you joining us. We're in a second part of our giving section. And uh, what I want to do is draw your attention to that mural in the very back corner. It says the path. There's a very handsome picture of myself and Zoe. And then just to the side of that, there is a mural that is the path. I was in here the other day with our insurance uh, agent. And he had not seen the building in a bit. And so he came in and I stood back at the corner and I said, man, you can see our entire business plan standing at the corner of the media booth. Salvation, freedom, redemption, goals and mission. That comes from the promise of Moses in Exodus chapter 6. Moses was told by God that God was going to come and to deliver people from Egypt, from slavery, and to redeem them. When you use uh, you use this text and you look at the Seder meal, the Passover meal, those promises, there are four for sure. Some might say five. You might have four or five. Usually you have four glasses, but you might just have one glass and toast each of these promises. That's what happens. Salvation is getting you out of Egypt. But then he said he'll deliver you from slavery. That sounds the same, except it's not. One is getting you out of Egypt. That's salvation. Freedom is getting Egypt out of you. That's different. And one of our taglines, when you go into the cafe, if you look on one side under the large murals, you'll see Jesus is the way, everything else is a conversation. We mean that. When you turn around and you look at the other colored sentences on the wall, you'll see one that says salvation and freedom aren't the same. They're not the same. So you can look at this and when you're saved and you're free and then redeemed by walking in the purposes God has for you, the ones he has for you, you're walking in all that space. Then there is a promise that your entire life will be a praise to the Lord. Those are our goals. When you look over here, you see how we facilitate those color coded for ease, (laughs) Blue, green, orange, right? Connected to Christ is salvation. Connected to others is freedom. Connected to purpose is redemption. And the thing that we value and work toward around here is the word that's on every one of those. The word that's on every one. What is it? Connected. Connected. Our team, our ministry team here at every level works all week long to create pathways to connect people. Create pathways to connect people to Jesus and to each other and to their redeemed purpose. And so that sounds cool, theoretical. And then we try to put some boots on the ground. And when you look to the path in the back, there are eight steps 
God dropped those in my heart. A buddy of mine recently, I saw a promotion at his church, and he had a picture. It was the history of their church. And he literally had a picture of a napkin with his handwriting on it. The napkin. I'd known all about it. But it was this moment where he was lost in his mission. And he came to a Starbucks, and he sat down, because that's where God moves, I guess. And he, 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 he wrote these things down. And he kept that nap, took a picture of it. It's on their web page, their history, the about page, the napkin. That's our napkin. Worked through that. Sat down with a college student. He's actually a graduate, but he's very creative. And we put that together. I didn't realize that steps one, two, and three correlate to salvation. Steps four, five, and six correlate to freedom. And steps seven and eight correlate to redemption. I didn't do that on purpose. Someone did it on purpose, but it wasn't me. But that's how it came out. And so we're looking in this middle section of freedom, which is connection and engagement or mission and giving those three things. One through four, we're pretty good, actually. Attendance and folks being here. We have over 350 different people every single month that are in this room. Not all at once. We only have 300 chairs in the room. But over any given month, for for months now, 350 different people will be in this room. Folks are being in the room, and that's fantastic. This discovery thing that I'm telling you about, where you you see what Christ's way is all about. Like, I'm going to show you why and how we make our salsa. Like, this is how it happens around here, and this is the reason why. And by the way, you don't have to be new to go to that class. Anybody, if you haven't done it in the last year or so, you should sign up for that. You should sign up to sit in there with us. Because it's an evolving Anointing and mission and and calling. And then the third thing is baptism. And we've even talked about that, right? Just a few weeks, we're going to have baptism Sunday. And four is connection. And we have some fantastic stories happening in connect groups. They are unique and diverse. And I love them. I love the stories that I hear. Freedom groups that happen. One through four, we're pretty good on that. And I mentioned last week, it's the connection, the engagement, the serving We could up our game there. We could up that a little bit. So the front half, pretty good, the first four steps. Five through eight, that's what we're focusing on. And we're focusing on it because the promise of the path is that I promise you, if you do those eight steps, you will have abundant life. I promise you. If you do those eight steps, come together as a community. Give your heart and life to Jesus. Figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Connect with someone. Be missional, intentionally. Give and serve and mentor someone else. Pour your life into someone else. I promise you, you'll have the most fulfilling life you could have. If you miss one of the steps, it deals off. Like, they're all important. They all matter. And so that's what we're focusing on. We're focused on the mission part, and now, these last couple of weeks, the giving. So step six back here. It's called giving. It's not called attaining. That's not one of our goals. It's not called storing. That's not one of our goals. It's not like, all right, after you've been missional, now let's get everything we can and keep it. It's not called keeping. It's called giving. The step is giving, not attaining, not storing, not keeping, but giving. We need to hear that. The purpose of a blessed life is not gaining. The purpose of a blessed life is giving. So my question to you, if you were here last week, 
How's the giving going? How's the giving going? We talked about having an outflow and the recognition that it is for our benefit that we give of ourselves. I want to read a story to you in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read it out of the message. I'm going to start at verse 13. Last Sunday, I delivered a message out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, which is not probably a likely place to hear a message on giving. It surprised me, actually. But it talked about a well-equipped kitchen that has cups and goblets, but it also has containers for trash and recycling. And so it said, be the kind of container that can bring every kind of blessing to people. And it encourages us to be that. Not like, okay, God, I'll wait until you tell me what I am. I'll wait until you call me to be this. But I have the ability to say, I'm going to be this kind of container. We talked about a cup and a goblet. And we said, a cup exists not to be full. That is not why the cup exists. We have china and heirlooms and teacups and those, those serve a sentimental purpose for us. We have a special case that we have them in. We still use them. And when we use them, we don't just fill them with tea and set them there and all sit around and look at them. Like, that's not what we're doing. The goblet wasn't filled to stay filled. The goblet is filled to be shared, to be emptied. We're supposed to be the goblet. We're supposed to be those vessels that are filled here. Not so we can stay here and be all happy and proud of ourselves because we're so full. I'm brimming over. I'm still brimming over. It's been several weeks. I'm still sitting on the same shelf. Brimming over. That's not the point. The point is that I am full in order to be moved by someone else's hand. To someone that needs the drink. To be the platter that carries the food to someone else's table so that I can be emptied. The reason Jesus spoke more about giving than almost any other topic, probably any other topic, is because it is counterintuitive to us. We feel that if we are full and holding That we have arrived and that's the good place and that's where we're supposed to be. But we are blessed to be a blessing. Because the blessing is not in the gaining. It is in the giving. Let me read this story to you. Luke chapter 12 verse 13. Someone out of the crowd said, Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of family inheritance. And he replied, Mr., what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or a mediator for you? But then he says this, speaking to the people, he went on. He turns to the people, he says, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. That's coming from who? Who's saying that? That's Jesus. Yeah, he's like, take care. Usually when I'm like, hey, we'll see you later, take care. I close the podcast every week, almost every week with, hey, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate your investment. Take care. (laughs) That's not like, you know, take take it easy. He's saying, take care, watch, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. 
Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Then he told him this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. And he talked to himself. He said, what can I do? How do you talk to yourself when you've produced a rich crop? How do you talk to yourself when you've been blessed beyond measure? How do you talk to yourself when that check comes in or that raise happens or something goes on in your life and all of a sudden you find your cup full, possibly even in a place of abundance? How do you talk to yourself? He talked to himself. He said, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. The barns that I have are so full. I can't even keep the blessings that I have been given. So then, this is what he comes up with. If this was your idea, keep your hand down, okay? This is not a good time to put your hand up. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to exercise energy to tear down the barns that I have and build bigger ones to hold my stuff. Then I'll gather in all my grain and all my goods. Man, oh man, that's the problem right there. We are stewards of blessing. The blessings that we have are gifts for us to handle and steward. When we think it's my grain and my goods, we're in trouble already. He says, I'll say to myself, I love this, self? (laughs) I love that. You've done well. You got it made and can now retire. Take it easy. Have the time of your life. All this blessing. All of this abundance. And he meets it with idleness. Would you say that word with me? Idleness. All this blessing and all this abundance. And he meets it. He matches the blessing of God with arrogance. That how well I did, pride and idleness. Hold those thoughts. Don't let those be lost. Just then, God showed up and he said, fool. Now, let's be clear. The Bible says you are not supposed to call someone a fool without cause. This is cause. This this is okay. Because this old boy is foolish. Tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Now, I want to draw this out for a second. That barn was not filled with little images of him, little bobbleheads of that guy. That barn wasn't filled with him. It wasn't filled with little miniature icons. Nor was it filled with the presence of God manifest. But the summary here is that the things that we have, it's self or God. All the things you have, the abundance that you have, whatever your barns look like, whatever your checking accounts look like, whatever your IRAs and 401ks and all that other business, whatever that is that you have, there are two labels. It's self or it's God. And I didn't come up with that. That's how it is. He continues, and here's the editorial. Story's over, here's the editorial. 
He continued this subject with the disciples. He said, don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered. Is Tyler Spivey in here? Do you see that, brother? Look at the ravens. It does not say the Steelers. <laughs> just, just felt the Lord prompting me with that right there. They're free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Carefree in the care of God. And you count far more. Has anyone by fussing before the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? If fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? Walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. This is so fan. This is amazing right here. They don't fuss with their appearance, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. And if God gives such attention to the wildflowers, this right here, listen, most of them never even seen. There are wildflowers on a side of a rocky mountain that will grow and be gorgeous and beautiful and never have the eyes of a human being laid on them. And that's how important. But don't you think he'll attend to you? Take the what in you? Let's call it what it is, man. Take the pride in you and do his best for you. You see, he cares about those flowers and their beauty. And somewhere in that mix, we feel like we have to have for abundance. And when he says, self, you've done well, that's not off base. Like we're super proud of ourselves being able to provide for ourselves because we sure don't know if God's going to provide for us. And frankly, you can say whatever you want. But words are cheap. We have to actually look like, am I trusting self? Or am I walking out on some water, trusting the Lord's provision? And the way you build trust is by stepping, not by setting back and analyzing it. The way we build trust is to say, you know what? Is there pride in my life? Because that's what he says. He says, I'll deal with your pride. We probably need a little baptism of that, by the way. That's one of the, that's one of the doctrines that, that I have a challenge with. Years ago, years ago, I was in this ministry training group. It's kind of a trendy thing where young men and women aspiring to ministry or feeling a call to ministry would, you know, be in training groups and being led and mentored and such. And so one night we had this, I keep pointing here because there was a chair in the middle aisle. It was up in New England, Massachusetts. There was a chair in the middle aisle and seven or eight guys and the pastor was there. And everybody got to sit in the in the seat, in the chair, and get prayed over. Whatever you wanted to get prayed over, we got to sit there. And so it was my turn to sit there, and they called me Smitty. He's like, Smitty, what do you what do you want what do you want prayer for? I said, I want you to pray that the Lord humbles me. Do you know what my pastor told me? Oh no, 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 no. You don't want to pray that. I said, Really? He said, no, 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 Smitty, you want, you want to pray that God helps you humble yourself. I said, nope, I'm pretty sure I want God to humble me. No, 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 you don't. I said, look, man, you can pray that for me or you can pray for somebody else. I'll get up. No problem. I want God to humble me. Because I want to do a work for him today. 
Humbling yourself could take 12 to 14 years. As you plod along and nurse your way and nurse your path and give you your, yourself back rubs along the way. I want God to put his foot in my neck and break it. I want him to grab me around the chest and change my life right now. I want him to do a work in me today. I don't care to be easy on myself. And let me tell you something that my pastor taught me. My true father in the gospel. There was a situation where a man was thrown from his car and we were in Johns Hopkins Hospital in downtown Baltimore. He had pins and rods that you could see and he could barely talk and he was talking. I walked into that dude's room, John Glandon, and John looked up and the first thing he said to me and the pastor, he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready now? I'm I'm ready. He'd been nursing himself and finally ready. So so there was this big calling on his life and he was saying yes to it. And I walked out in the street and I'm talking to the pastor. I said, all the wisdom I had at 19, I said, well, (laughs) I'm going to ask the Lord just help me humble myself. That 270 pound man turned to me and tried to he tried his best to put his pointer finger through my chest. He went boom, boom, boom on my chest in front of a traffic light out front of the hospital. And you know what he said to me? He asked me the question that I will ask you. Don't you trust your father? Because that's the question. Don't you trust your father? To which I said, surrendered. Okay. You got me. And from that very moment, my prayer was, do whatever you need to do the very moment you need to do it. And as this says, don't you think he'll attend to you? Don't you think he will take the pride in you? He will do it? In the 12 steps, we wait for the Lord and we ask our higher power God to come in and remove. We ask him to remove. Some of us, were willing to do it. We call the dentist. We're finally ready to get that tooth pulled. We walk in there. Give me the tools. I'm good. I got it. I'll take it from here. So we do. We do it with our spiritual life. It is not yours to remove. It is his to remove. And he promises us That he will. What I'm trying to do here, and this is really it. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. So preoccupied with gaining that we're not able to respond to giving. Look, I'm I'm just trying to get you to relax. You're so uptight. You're so tense. You got all these things and you're so tense. And you're so uptight because you're... Trusting in you. That's a sign. I'm trusting in me. Don't be so preoccupied with getting. And then you'll be able to respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both. You know God and how he works. That's one thing I'm trying to help with today. Trying to help us see how God works. Steep yourself. Josh shared this with our uh, team recently, our, our board of elders, Josh read this. It was brought to him one particular morning right before we had a meeting. Steep yourself in God reality. 
Are you worried about provision? Are you holding on to everything and you're not generous and you're not giving because you're nervous? Your faith is thin. Your pride is high. It says, steep yourself in God reality. How real is God to us? How real? I get it that we're here. I get it. I get it. We're, I, you're here. I understand that. But that doesn't, that is not synonymous with you being steeped in a God reality. Do you know that's the truth? You can be in this room week after week after week, and that is not synonymous with the fact that I am steeped like a tea bag, just sitting in the water, steeped in God reality. In God, God what? In God what? God initiative. We put so much pressure on ourselves to have to do all the work. It's God reality and God initiative. And what's the next one? God provision. Do you see how those run together? When I am steeped like a tea bag in water, man, I am sitting there minute after minute after minute, steeped in God reality and God's initiative to prompt me to give, to prompt me to have something released out of my life. Healing. What Bo gave us today was a prompt from the Holy Spirit. I sat back there next to Melinda. I'm like, I love this. I love it. I love it. When we are steeped in God reality and we understand and we recognize God initiative and right on the heels of that is God provision. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. FOMO, can I get an amen, anybody? (laughs) Right? Just fear of missing out. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Next verse. Let's read those two words together. Be generous. With all that in tow. All that in tow. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourself a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. That should be the title of the message, right? A bank... That you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? I'd like to say after talking to you for 25 minutes. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will. Ready? Two things. It's the place where you will most want to be. And it is the place that you will end up being. So the man that had all the barns and built bigger barns, it was the place he wanted to be. And it is, in fact, the place that he ended up being. But you might say to me, he ended up being broke. Yeah, he was broke when the barns were full. He was broke when the barns were full. Because he wasn't steeped in a God reality. And God initiative. And God provision. He always thought it was himself. He was held accountable. As we all are held accountable. But we understand how God works. And we can take the blessing that he gives us. Whether it's a $5 bill or a we know how to make muffins or whatever the thing is. And we can give it. Things are given to us to be able to give. We celebrate our excess and we invest it. My question would be, where do you invest it? Into which economy is it invested? Because one will become ash. 
and one will live forever. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is an interesting prophet. There are five major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, well, five major books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Limitations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And Ezekiel was 25 years old when he was taken into Babylon in the, in, uh, the exile. So Ezekiel, in different seas and the groups, he was 25 years old when he was taken into Babylon. And five years later, it was on his 30th birthday that he was sitting by the river. And he's sitting by the river, and all of a sudden it's his birthday, and he's in exile. And, and he, he wonders, it, it, was, it was the day he was supposed to begin formal ministry. The rabbi begins at 30 and ends at 50. It was the day, his birthday, 30th birthday. The Bible says that. He was supposed to begin that day. He's sitting around the river, probably bumming, probably going, what is going on here? And all of a sudden, he sees angels and four faces and wings connected and a platform and a chariot and this human body, the likeness of the manifestation of the Almighty, and there's fire. And He sees all of that. Pretty fantastic. His question is, what is that doing in Babylon? Because it's supposed to be in Jerusalem. And the first half of the book of Ezekiel is trying to answer the question, why is the glory of God here in this exile land when it is supposed to be above the Ark of the Covenant? But it's not. And I'd like to point out why. Matt, would you throw up Ezekiel 16, verse 46. I'm going to read them off the screens. Your elder sister is Samaria. He's talking to the Israelite people. Your elder sister is Samaria who dwells with her daughters to the north of you. Your younger sister who dwells to the south of you is Sodom and her daughters. So literally you have Israel and to the north is Samaria, the northern kingdom. Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. And then Sodom to the south. So your sisters, here we go. You did not walk in their ways. He's talking to Israel. You didn't walk in their ways. You didn't act according to their abominations. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? But then he says, but as if that were too little, you became more corrupt than they in all your ways. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? Your sister Sodom? You didn't follow their abominations, but you became more corrupt than all their ways? You, you know what he's basically saying? You didn't do this. You didn't do the thing that everybody knows Sodom for. You didn't do that. But you know what you did do? Worse. More corrupt. As I live, doesn't that sound like your grandma or your mama or something? Boy, as I live, I'm gonna not, that's something like that going on. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters has done, have done as you and your daughters have done. Do you understand the tension of what's being built here? If I said, I'm going to preach on, today I'm preaching on the sin of Sodom, I'm pretty sure that people have some things in mind as far as what that sin of Sodom is. And he even says, he goes, the abominations that were done, you didn't do those, you were worse. Worse. 
Look, because this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Ezekiel tells us, she and her daughter, they had pride. Fullness of bread. Hold this slide, Matt. Keep it there. Pride, fullness of bread, fullness of food, and the abundance of idleness. Do you recall the man in Luke? Do you recall the man that had the full barns and got more? He was so proud of himself. He was full of pride. And when he had all that he had, the abundance that he had, what did he do with it? He kept it. In fact, his plan was to build bigger barns so he could keep all the blessing. So pride and idleness and fullness of bread, that is actually the story in Luke 12. And the Lord held him accountable, same day, pretty rough. This is not the sin that you thought it would be. The sin of Sodom is that they were rich. They were well-to-do. It was a city of abundance. But they were proud about it. And they had fullness of bread, and they celebrated that. And they were idle with all that they were given. And Matt, you can flip the slide. Next one, 49. And they did not strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. There was no outflow. No outflow. The sin of Sodom was this special cocktail. It was fullness and pride and idleness. And no outflow. And if that's you, that is not where you want to be. That's not, that is not, I hope I'm flipping the light on for you. Like, that is not where you want to be. You don't want to have pride in your life. You want to lay yourself out before the Lord. We're going to sing here in a minute. Come on up, Arnick. Arnick and team, come on up, you guys. We're going to give you a moment to allow yourself to be emptied of pride. It's not that, hey, I don't have any pride, I don't have nothing. Okay, who do you think is responsible for what you have? That's the pride part. Who do you think is responsible for what you have? What is the source? When we think we're the source, that's self. You're not getting around that. Like, that's self. I've been blessed. I know, and I love it, and I celebrate it with you. If you're blessed to be a blessing. You see, when we have the blessing, the blessing, when we have, when we have, when we've been given, the blessing is not that we have more. The blessing is not that we have more. The blessing is that we give to those who don't have. There's an outflow to the needy. An outflow. And then they give to others. The blessing is not in the having. The blessing is in the giving to be a blessing. That's why it's step six. It's not step six on accident. And I know you can give your time, and we'll talk about that, that's step seven. You can give your talent, that's step seven, serving people, mentoring. They're in there. But step six is your money. No apologies. Step six is give your money. And I said it last week. I said, I get chided because I don't care where you give your money. You just need to give your money. You need to give it to somebody. And people in here chide me. They're like, man, don't say that. Like People need to support the mission of the church. That's probably true. 
I think what we read in Malachi last week, the Lord says you need to bring your tithe to the storehouse of the church. Okay. But the bottom line, let's just get clear on this. I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. You need to give your money. You need to do that. That's why it's part of the steps. Those are extremely intentional. It's on purpose. So you have outflow. So you know how you squash pride? You give. You know how you become generous? I'm not really generous. Give and you'll become generous. Idleness? Don't be idle. Give. Flow. Let it out. Write the check. Put it out there. You see, it's not in the gaining. It's not about gaining. It's about giving. Getting outside of ourselves. Everybody can probably finish this verse with me. It is better to... Oh, so I didn't need to preach any of this, I guess. Okay, sorry. Apologies. Sorry about that. I didn't need to preach anything. You already knew. It's better to give than to receive. Now, who's going to do the pride work in you? Very smart kid. Whoever her parents are, amazing. (laughs) She says, the Lord. Give me a chorus of that song. Make room. These next few minutes. You want to do this? Would you like to join me in doing this in the next few minutes? Making room for the one that can take the pride and change it. Making room for that one to come in and do the work that we all want him to do. Nobody wants to end up like the rich fool. So I will make room for you. Come on, sing it out. Let it be a prayer today. Whatever you want to, I know that you're asking him to do whatever. So there's a couple prayers happening here. One, making room, and then I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm opening the door, I'm inviting you into this space, and whatever you say, Whatever you want to do, take the pride out of me, direct me, redirect me, open my hands, help me be generous. Let that be a prayer. If you need to step out, if it feel better for you to come up, pray, pray with someone, ask someone to pray with you. Be in this space. This is where I lay it down. This is my surrender. Surrender around giving. Surrender around blessing. Surrender the gaining. Surrender the fear. Surrender to trust. This is my surrender.